Part four of a narrative of the expedition to Dongola and Sennar by George Bethune English. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. On the twenty-third we came in view of the lower end of the rapids of the third cataract. Those hereabouts are called the rapids of Ula. We were obliged to consume thirty-nine days in getting as far as the island of Kendi, which is not above fifty miles from Meroe. As the direction of the river continued almost the same, coming from about the northeast, and the wind being almost invariably ahead, the difficulties attending advancing the boats by the cordel were very great, as the river here is spotted by an infinity of islands and rocks. In some of the passages where the water was deep, the current was as swift as a mill sluice, which made it necessary to employ the crews of perhaps twenty boats to drag up one at a time. In other passages, where the water was very shallow, it was sometimes necessary to drag the boats by main force over the stones at the bottom. The camp of the Pasha remained during all this time about eight hours' march above Mero, on the right bank of the river, waiting till the boats should have passed the rapids. No military movements took place, except detaching the Divan Effendi with four hundred cavalry to join the detachment already in Berber, where all was quiet and friendly. The country on the rapids of the third cataract is sterile, being composed for the most part of black granite and sand, excepting some of the islands which contain good ground, and a few spots on the shores where the floods of the river had deposited some fertile soil. The rocks by the shore presented indications which proved that the river had risen in some of its floods about twenty feet above its present level. Ostriches are not unfrequently seen hereabouts. We have met with no ruins of any ancient building of consequence on these rapids, except the ruins of a strong fort on the right bank of the river, and those of what was probably a Christian monastery on bank right opposite. This place, I was told, is called Kenis. It is about thirty miles above Mero. Footnote 25 Khalil Aga, who has passed the whole of the third cataract, found in several of the islands there ruins which were probably those of monasteries, as he found there many of the stones covered with Greek inscriptions, one of which he brought to me. I was obliged to abandon it on the route, on the dying of the camel that carried it. End of footnote. We passed one small island, which the native said was called also Mero as well as the site where we found the pyramids and temple below. No indications of a considerable city are, however, to be found on this island, which is beside too small to have served for the emplacement of a city of consequence. Khalil Aga, who swam over to this island, reported that he had seen there the ruins of brick houses and many fragments of porcelain. Of the latter, there are immense quantities among all the ruined edifices found in this country. Footnote 26. On my return to Egypt, I presented Mr. Salt with several specimens, which are now in his possession. End of footnote. The island of Kendi is large and in some parts cultivated. It contains evident traces of brick buildings, among which we found fragments of ancient pottery and porcelain, but no ruins of any considerable building. We stayed for three days as high up as the middle of the island of Kendi. On the 6th of Jamasalawal, 
the boats received orders to descend to the lower end of the island in order to take the passage on its right-hand side that on the left being so shallow as not to be passed but with great difficulty we descended accordingly and remained at its lower extremity till the thirteenth of the moon which delay was occasioned by the absence of the rais bashi who had gone up to examine and sound the passages through the remainder of the third cataract on the thirteenth our boat and many others passed over to the right bank of the river in order to be on the same side as was the camp of the pasha and to have free communication with it footnote twenty seven the camp of the pasha to which all the troops had been concentrated End of footnote. the same day i received an order from the pasha to come to the camp with my baggage i went accordingly and presented myself to his excellency and demanded to know his pleasure he replied that it was his will that i should stay in the camp and that he would immediately furnish me with the means of accompanying him in his intended march to berber over the desert five days after his excellency broke up his camp and proceeded about four leagues higher up the rapids where the boats were found stopped by the impossibility of proceeding any farther as the water was found to be too low to admit their passing i arrived at this place opposite the upper end of the island of kendi on the same day with his excellency having left orders to my domestics to follow with my camels and baggage the next morning finding that they had not arrived and learning that it was the intention of the pasha to commence his march to berber that day i mounted my horse to go and ascertain the reason why my camels had not arrived i learned as i proceeded that one of them had fallen under his load and that it would be necessary to send back the first that should arrive and be unloaded to take the burden of the other all my effects in consequence did not arrive before evening during my absence to see after this vexatious affair the pasha had departed with the camp as i learned the same evening on my return after leaving the most bulky part of my baggage in one of the boats i proceeded on the twenty first to the place where the pasha's last camp had been to join some party who should have been delayed by circumstances similar to my misadventure on my arrival i found the hasna khatib and about three hundred soldiers waiting till camels should come from berber to carry them to join the pasha there were besides several hundred mogrebin infantry in the boats awaiting the means of transporting their tents and baggage across the desert on my representing to the hasna khatib the circumstance that had delayed me he informed me that the selictar was expected from below in a few days who on the day after his arrival would proceed after the pasha and that i had better accompany him i accepted the advice and pitched my tent to await the arrival of the selictar the same day i was informed that all the large boats had received orders to abandon the attempt to pass the remainder of the third cataract of the nile they had already with great difficulty got through about fifty difficult passages and it was reported that there were nearly one hundred more ahead before the third cataract could be got clear of when the river is full and the flood of course strong this cataract must in my opinion be almost impassable upwards as on account of the strange direction of the river little or no aid can be derived from the wind and the current in some places 
from the straightness of the passages between the rocks and islands must in the time of the inundation be very furious while the cordel from the natural obstacles which cover the shore of this cataract could hardly overcome the difficulties which every mile or two would present footnote twenty eight it has been found however possible to pass the whole of the third cataract in boats not drawing more than three feet of water by the aid of all the male population on its shores who by the aid of ropes dragged up nine boats which arrived in berber before the pasha commenced his march for senar they were fifty-seven days in getting from the island of kendi to berber every one of them was repeatedly damaged in getting through the passages End of footnote. on the first day of the moon jamisalachar the selictar arrived from below where he had been to collect dura for the army two days after i set forward in company with him to pass the desert the road for two days lay near the bank of the river by the middle of the afternoon of the first day we arrived at a pleasant spot on the border of the nile where we encamped to pass the night on the morning following we mounted our horses at sunrise and by midday arrived at a fine pond of water at the foot of a high rock at no great distance from the river where we refreshed ourselves and filled the water-skins as at this place the road turns into the desert we marched from the middle of the afternoon till an hour after midnight when we halted to sleep the road for this day was evidently the dry bed of an arm of the nile which during the inundation is full of water even at this season the doom tree and the acacia which grew on its borders were green and coarse long grass was abundant at sunrise of the sixth day of the moon we again mounted and set forward in a direction nearly east our way lay over low rocky hills gravelly or sandy plains and sometimes through valleys containing plenty of coarse grass and acacia trees but no water is to be found above ground at this season though it probably might be obtained by sinking wells in some of these valleys we halted at noon and in two hours after again mounted and marched till midnight our road lay through a country resembling that we had passed the day before on the morrow morning a little after daylight we proceeded on our journey and at noon halted at the only well of water we found on our route it lies near two high hills of black granite the water was yellow and dirty and almost rejected by the thirsty camels by the middle of the afternoon we were again on horseback and marched till midnight when some of the camels dropping and dying and others giving out the selictar found himself obliged to order a halt for the rest of the night it was his intention to have marched till morning by which time our guides told us that we should arrive at the river we threw ourselves on the ground to sleep a few hours but by sunrise we were called to mount and away we proceeded till about noon when we came in view of the beneficent river whose beauty and value cannot be duly appreciated by any who have not voyaged in the deserts through which it holds its course it was on the eighth of the moon when we arrived on its borders i had expected that our toilsome forced march would end here and had promised myself some repose which i greatly needed as i had suffered much from the heat of the sun which had burned the skin off my face from fatigue and want of sleep from hunger 
as we had barely time to prepare a little rice and bread once in twenty-four hours and from the exasperation of my ophthalmia which had never entirely quitted me since i was attacked by it at wadi halfa on the second cataract the selictar however did not indulge us with more than half a day's and one night's repose on the bank of the river which we found well cultivated by the inhabitants of numerous villages in sight on the morning of the ninth day of the moon we were again called to proceed for this day our march lay near the bank of the river and through and by fine fields of barley cotton and wheat the day after our route lay over a narrow space of rocky land lying between the river and the hills of the desert we saw this day but a few cultivated spots on the eleventh we commenced our march before sunrise animated by the information that we should be at the pasha's camp by noon or the middle of the afternoon our road lay this day on the edge of the desert just where it touches the cultivable soil deposited by the nile which is indicative of the point to which the inundations of the river extend in this country on both sides of this road was an almost continued succession of villages which are built here in order to be out of the reach of the overflowing of the river which almost every year here overspreads the country for one or two miles from its banks the land liable to this inundation is in part cultivated as well as any portion of egypt and in part devoted to feeding great numbers of fine horses camels dromedaries kine sheep and goats with which the country of the berbers is abundantly stocked we marched on till nearly set of sun without halting when we arrived at the encampment of the pasha it was on our side that is the west side of the nile which here runs in its natural direction from south to north at five or six days march below it it turns to the left and describes from above its turning point and dongola a track something resembling the following figure which is the reason why in coming up the river from dongola we found it running from the northeast the length of this curious bend in the river nile never known to the civilized world before the expedition of ismail pasha may be about two hundred and fifty miles long the greater part of it all rocks and rapids the journey from our last encampment on the third cataract to the country of the berbers following the direction of the river takes eight days of forced marches but that by the desert that is across the peninsula formed by the course of the river between the country of the berbers and our last encampment takes four days forced march the road from the place where we arrived at the river in coming from the desert up the country of berber lies generally on the edge of the desert and outside of the fertile land lying between the river and the desert of consequence we were rarely led to its banks so as to ascertain its course and appearance but from several points where the road approaches the river i observed that it winded continually and contained many beautiful islands some of them particularly that named sibney cultivated like gardens i also observed that the river at the lower extremity of the country of the berbers is much interrupted by rocks and i have learned since my arrival that between the third cataract and the camp the water is so low at this season that the kanja of the pasha probably the first boat that ever passed the third cataract of the nile was obliged to be lifted three times 
over shallow passages. The natives of this country had never seen a sailboat before the arrival of this kanja. They called it a water mare, comparing it by this appellation to the swiftest animal with which they are acquainted. They ran in crowds to the river's edge to see it mount the current without the aid of oars. On the 13th I had a private audience of the Pasha in the evening. His Excellence received me as usual, and on my informing him of the circumstance which had prevented my accompanying his march from the cataract, he assured me that he would give orders that, for the future, I should be furnished from the best of his own camels. I preferred to His Excellence some requests, which he granted immediately, and on my retiring, requested me to present myself to him frequently. Previous to his march from the Third Cataract, there had arrived at the camp ambassadors from Shendi, from Malek Shous, the chief of the fugitive Shageans, demanding terms of peace. The Pasha replied that, the only terms on which they could obtain peace with him would be by the surrender of their horses and arms and returning to their country to live tranquilly and without disturbing their neighbors the ambassadors replied that they would not give up their horses and arms the pasha then answered that then he would come to shendi and take them to which it is said they answered come footnote twenty nine I have been informed that, previous to the advance of the Pasha Ismael from Wadi Halfa, deputies from the chiefs of Shigea arrived in the camp to demand of the Pasha for what reason he menaced them with war. The Pasha replied, Because you are robbers who live by disturbing and pillaging all the countries around your own. They replied that they had no other means to live. The Pasha answered, Cultivate your land and live honestly. They replied with great naivete, We have been bred up to live and prosper by what you call robbery. We will not work and cannot change our manner of living. The Pasha replied, I will make you change it. End of footnote. On hearing, however, of the rapid march of the Pasha and of his arrival in Berber, the chief of Shendi, on whose support it seems Shows had calculated, was frightened and sent his son bearing some valuable presents to the pasha to notify his submission and to receive his orders the terror and confusion this step on the part of one of the most powerful allies of senar will occasion to the latter will probably prevent the necessity of a battle to ensure its submission a part of the remnant of the once powerful mamelukes of egypt who had fled before the pasha to shendi on his arrival in berber have surrendered themselves to the protection of the Pasha Ismael. Footnote 30. The number of the old Mamelukes of Egypt was reduced, at the time of our arrival in Berber, to less than one hundred persons. They had, however, some hundreds of blacks, whom they had trained up in their discipline. End of footnote. They have been treated by him with great kindness, and were presented with a thousand piastres each to bear their expenses to Cairo, to which place they have departed with the assurance of passing the remainder of their lives in tranquillity in Egypt, under the protection and favor of Mehemet Ali. They had gone from the camp before my arrival. I was informed that these Mamelukes were in possession of many slaves and fine horses, which will turn to good account in Egypt. 
a small remnant of the Mamelukes at Shendi, under the direction of a refractory bay, have fled to the countries on the Bahar el Abyud, where they will probably perish miserably. The Divan Effendi, who has been sent to Shendi to arrange the terms of peace with the Malik of that country, had orders to assure this bey and his followers there of the same favour and protection already accorded to their comrades, who had already departed for Egypt, but without success. It is not to be doubted, however, that the remnant of the once powerful Mamelukes who have surrendered themselves to the compassion and protection of the Viceroy will receive both from him whose humanity has been interested in their behalf since their power is gone, and their number reduced to a few individuals, who, doubtless, will be happy to live tranquilly in the country these unfortunate fugitives continually sigh after, and whose sovereignty they have lost by their own misconduct. Footnote 31 I am happy to add that these relics of the renowned cavalry of Egypt are now residing there in ease and in honour, the promises of the Pasha Ismael having been fulfilled by his father to the letter. End of footnote. Seventeenth. I passed over in the Kanja of the Pasha to the east side of the river to visit the capital of Berber, which is nearly opposite to our camp. On reaching the bank, it is a walk of half an hour through immense fields of Dura to come to the road that leads to the residence of the chief. After quitting the plantations, I came to a collection of villages extending about three miles down the river. Among these villages is one called Goose, which is marked in the maps as the capital of Berber. But the residence of the Malik, or chief of the eastern shore, is not at Goose, but at another of the collection, much larger, called Nusreddin, as I was informed, after the name of the present Malik, who resides there. Footnote 32 it is a singular circumstance that the chiefs of Dongola, Shagea, Berber, Shendi, and Halfia should bear the same title as used in the Hebrew Bible to designate the petty sovereigns of Canaan. End of footnote. The houses of these villages, like the rest of the country of Berber, are built of clay and roofed with unhewn timber covered with trusses of straw. That of the Malek is like those of his people, only larger. The western shore is governed by another Malek, whose village lies higher up the river than the emplacement of our camp. The population of Nusreddin and the villages adjoining is considerable. The country is fertile and well cultivated, and abounds in dura, cotton, barley, fine horses, camels, dromedaries, kine, sheep, goats, and fowls, as does all the country of Berber. I found in these villages some caravan merchants who at present had nothing to sell but coarse cotton cloths. These cotton cloths form the only clothing of the inhabitants. Both men and women wear them, wrapped round their middle, with one end thrown over the shoulder or head. Footnote 33 The Shagea cavalry, however, wore these cloths cut and made into long shirts, in order probably to have the freer management of their lances, shields, and broadswords. It should also be stated that the Moloks or chiefs of the Upper Nile were generally habited in fine blue or white shirts brought from Egypt. End of footnote. The Berber, though resembling the fellah of Upper Egypt in complexion, is generally not so well formed in figure and feature. Many of them have defective teeth 
probably occasioned by the habit of chewing bad tobacco, of which they have plenty, which is common here. The greater part of their household and field work is done by slaves they purchase from the caravans, coming either from Abyssinia or Darfur. Some of the owners of female slaves would, for a dollar, without scruple, permit the soldiers of our camp to sleep with them. The women of Berber, contrary to the custom in Egypt, go with the face unveiled, without embarrassment. Both men and women never consider themselves in full dress, unless the hair of the head has been combed sleek, then braided and plaited together, and afterwards plentifully anointed with butter. They never cut the hair, I believe. It consequently forms an immense bunch behind the head, similar to that observable in some of the ancient statues of Egypt. Footnote 34 The same circumstance of dress is common also among the peasants of both sexes of Dongola, Shigea, and along the Third Cataract, with this addition, that they not only anoint the head, but also the whole body with butter. They say it protects them from the heat, that employed by the personages of consideration is perfumed. Every Malek has a servant charged with the particular care of a box of this ointment. On our march to Sennar, whither we were accompanied by the Malek of Shendi, I could win this servant of his a mile off. End of footnote. The barbarous practice of excision is universally performed upon all their females, whether free or slaves, as is the case also among all the tribes inhabiting the banks of the Nile above Aswan. The people of Berber are, in their exterior deportment, mild and polite. Every man we meet uniformly gives us the greeting of peace, Salam Aleikum, and uniformly shows a disposition to accommodate us in everything reasonable. This is probably owing to their being, in a very considerable degree, a commercial people. Berber being every year visited and traversed by numerous caravans from Abyssinia, Senar, Darfur, and Kordofan. 23rd of Jamisalachar This day arrived the Divan Effendi from Shendi, accompanied by the Malik of that province, and the son of the Malik Shous, the chief of the fugitive Shageyas. The Malik of Shendi was accompanied by a considerable suite, and two most beautiful horses intended as a present to the Pasha. Footnote 35 I never in my life saw such noble and beautiful specimens of the species as were these two horses. They were stallions, eighteen hands high, beautifully formed, of high courage and superb gait. When mounted, they tossed their flowing manes aloft, higher than the heads of their turbaned riders, and a man might place his two fists in their expanded nostrils. They were worthy to have carried Ali and Khaled to the war of God. End of footnote. On being introduced to His Excellence, he kissed his hand and pressed it to his forehead and told him that he had come to surrender himself and his country to his favor and protection. His Excellence received him graciously presented him with splendid habiliments and a horse richly caparisoned. After his presentation was finished, he was conducted to the tent of the Hasnardar, who was directed by the Pasha to treat him with due hospitality. The son of Malak Shos came in behalf of his father and other distinguished chiefs of the Shageyas to implore the mercy of the Pasha for these chiefs 
and the fugitive remnant of their followers, who were opposite Shendi, awaiting the decision of the Pasha as to what was to be their fate. I was told that the determination of the Pasha continued in their regard the same, making the surrender of their arms and horses the sine qua non of peace between him and them. Three days after, the chief of Shendi returned home, the friend of the Pasha. End of part four.